Peak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with Keith Wachowicz. Keith is one of my favorite fitness movement practitioners on the web. In this discussion, we dive deep into our mutual appreciation for the ocean, why Keith chooses to train on the beach and expose himself to the ocean. We talk about being directionally healthy, meaning with some of your actions moving towards health and, and not being obsessive with the details. We also discuss breath hold work and Keith's progress and his breath hold rate and his breath hold capacity and oxygen efficiency thanks to the breath hold work modality shared by Erwan LaCour. We also discuss some pretty deep and profound and, and meaningful ideas towards the end of the conversation. I really enjoyed this one. Hope you do as well. Thank you for tuning in. And before we dive in, I appreciate everyone listening, dropping five-star reviews on Apple or Spotify, sharing on social media, or sending me messages. One sponsor today, this podcast is brought to you by Sunshine. It's free. Um, you can get it even when it's cloudy. You just walk outside and be in the sun. That's sunshine. Um, use the promo code. Go outside and get some sunshine today for 0% off the sunshine. And uh, anything that you absorb, I hope that it absorbs well and makes you feel good because sunshine is pretty cool. Thanks again and hope you enjoy. All right. I'm here today with Keith Wachowicz. How are you? I'm doing well, Case. How are you doing today? Great. Fantastic. Did I, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's as correct as pretty much anybody's ever got it on the first try. So, or the first try in, in to my years. Um, yeah, I think the original pronunciation was Valkiewicz. Is that like if uh, if a true Polish person would say it? Um, but yeah, Walkowitz is how um, the Americanized version. Nice. Okay, cool. And you're joining us from from New Jersey. Currently, and, and it's getting a little, a little cold out there, right? Certainly is. Yeah, it's uh, early December now and northeast early December. That's cold weather. Did you grow up? Coming. Did you grow up there? Have you spent your whole life over? over yep. There? Yeah. Born and raised in New Jersey. Nice. I went to the College of New Jersey, so uh, <laughs> I done <laughs> everything. Like I didn't even, a lot of people go away for school or whatever, come back, but uh, I didn't even leave the state for college. Nice. Do you live... Near the near the ocean too, right? Because I see I see you out there all the time, going for swims, working out. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm only about fifteen minutes or so, depending on which beach I go to. Uh, fifteen to maybe half an hour is the furthest beach I go to. But yeah, pretty close by. I'm I'm like inland a little. Like I don't live in a beach town, but it's like I said, fifteen minute drive to get there. I spend a lot of time up there. Like I grew up. Uh, my grandmother had a house um a beach house so i was there in the summer times um like we would just go every day uh, and i grew up just at the beach fishing uh i was never really a surfer but uh i just gravitated more to, towards like fishing and stuff and actually my uh the the industry i worked in for a long time up until about last year was boating so um uh, which is kind of ironic too, because I, I get seasick, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was, uh, just very, I've spent a lot of time on the water or near the water and everything for the past, um, 
well, my whole life, really. What do you what do you think about the ocean? Do you have a strong strong connection with it? Do you feel like it's like would could you ever move live sort of far away from it, or is it sort of an essential part of your life? Yeah, uh, I've thought about that before, um, and I don't think I could move very far away from it. I mean, maybe like an hour tops or something like that, um, but. Yeah, I don't feel like it's a, it's a tough thing to answer. Like, I don't feel like a spiritual connection to it or, or something like that, like uh, in a metaphysical sense. But I do feel like I just like being around it. Uh, I like going to the beach. I like swimming in the ocean. I like, uh, I like the little shore towns that are around here. So there's about... Um, I don't know. California is probably a little bit different, but there may be some other like East Coast towns or East Coast areas that are similar. But um, within a like, I want to say like a 10 mile stretch of the coastline, there's probably like seven or eight different towns in a row. Um, And they all have a different vibe to them, but they're all kind of like cool and have their own um, uh, like mini culture to them. Uh, So. yeah, I just like that about this area in particular. And uh, I mean, people have their conceptions about what New Jersey is and all that. But uh, I live in a pretty beautiful part of the state with uh, not a lot of the uh, whatever pollution and oil refinery stuff that you find like up near uh, the northern part of the state. Um, but yeah, to get back to your question, I, I don't think I would ever live too far from the ocean. Um, in, I don't, I mean, there's always like circumstances that may dictate something else, but, uh, foreseeably right now, I don't think I would. What about yourself? You seem, uh, connected to the ocean as well. Is that like, were you close to the ocean in New Hampshire? I know there's only a little part of New Hampshire that like touches the Atlantic. I, I wasn't, um, I was like an hour away, sort of an hour North of Boston, sort of an hour West of, of the Atlantic ocean. So I didn't, get out there too much and then it's funny we would take these family vacations down to delaware and sort of stay at like a beach house with the whole family and i never really liked Mm -hmm. the beach or the ocean because the experience was like as a kid you're getting slathered in sunscreen sort of sitting out in the in the hot temperature and (laughs) just like bake and you're just like don't understand any of it you're like thirsty and sandy and just don't really get the whole point of it you know at least i didn't and and then when i was i moved out here when i was 25 and was close enough to the ocean where I could ride my bike down and, and just kind of go into it. And at that point, as, as an adult where you've got all the you know stress of life and being sort of inside working all day. And there was this amazing alleviation provided by those waters. It just was so cleansing and revitalizing. And now I know, okay, well, you're absorbing all the minerals from the ocean and even just breathing the air or near the ocean is, is going to be, a mineral, you know, rich experience. And, you know, from this like scientific angle, there's so many benefits to our body mind, but yeah, it's, it's something that is, is somewhat irreplaceable. There, there's nothing else like it. And it's, I love looking at it and thinking, well, you know, this is most of the planet. We're on this, you know, tiny little stretch of land. <laughs> we think, we think all the actions on the land, but it's, what is it like 30% of the planet? And really it's just, this whole thing is just covered in water and we somehow. Yeah. It's mostly water, right? Mostly, uh, most of the surface is water. Yeah. 
the Pacific's different though. It's like, uh, I think in general, it's just colder. Um, and it just feels bigger. Like I, I've been out to California a couple times. Well, uh, I guess it, I've been out to California a couple times, but only to the ocean in California, maybe like on one trip. And, uh, it just feels, um, feels different out there. Like the landscape just feels bigger. The ocean, the Pacific ocean, it's the same, like you could be standing on the same like part of beach where the beach is the same length and everything, but it, I don't know. There's something about it out there that just makes it feel bigger than the East coast. I don't know if, if you've, if you feel the same thing, like having been on a beach, like the beaches in Delaware are pretty similar to the beaches in New Jersey. Um, but do you feel that there's any similarity between those, the coasts? It's interesting. Or that do you, does it feel different to you when you're on different coasts? Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, I hadn't really thought about it, but it's, it is definitely, there's a difference to it. I, I know on one, on one hand, it's the sun setting over the ocean is a big difference as, as opposed to the sunrise over like, um, that's an obvious difference, but a pretty big one watching the, the sunset over the oceans is has, is one of the best things, you know, that can be done over here. It's just an amazing show, you know, most nights mm-hmm. and yeah, swimming in it does, it certainly does feel different and looking off into the horizon feel, it feels different as well. Looking West as opposed to, to looking East, it difficult to put in the words, but yeah, there's, there's certainly a somewhat of a difference to it. Maybe it has something to do with the, mineral composition of the of the water themselves or, or even just the people sort of around that area that, that lend a certain different characteristic to it i don't know it's hard to hard to put in the word it's also the landscape around there too so like i'm not going to be able to turn around and look and see mountains behind me uh at any place in new jersey so i, I think that's got like at least for me, I think that added to like the, uh, when I was in California, the, um, the feeling of the landscape being so immense was that like uh, you look up and down the coast and even, uh, on, at any portion, there's like higher elevations behind you. I mean, I look behind me at New Jersey and there's just like houses are the highest elevation (laughs) behind me. It's pretty flat coastal plain. So, um, at least for me, I think that that's got something to do with it that just makes uh, the West Coast a bit more grand, so to speak. That's a great observation as well. Yeah, the seeing the mountains juxtaposed against the water and, and also just being on a cliff overlooking the water is, is such a crazy experience. Seeing those two collide, it's, it's powerful. It's got a great energy. Um, yeah, and I guess to... To pivot a little bit, a uh, little bit from that, we mentioned that I see you online exposing yourself to the ocean or being around the ocean often, and, and that's because you post a lot. <laughs> Hopefully, of- I'm not exposing myself to it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're always, you're always out there, just naked at the beach, posting <laughs> pictures online. There's a so you you make a lot of fitness content, a lot of fitness content, and it, it's at the ocean by the beach. And, and that's similar to myself as well. So we're, we're kindred spirits in that regard. There's not too many people doing that for whatever reason. On, on one hand, I'm happy about that because the beach isn't super crowded with people doing that. But on the other hand, it's it, it's such an amazing way to to just live life and and engage in, in movement practice. And um, 
how, did, how have you always done that as as uh, someone who lives kind of near the near the coast or is that more of a, a recent um part of your life i try to work out at the beach a lot uh just because i uh running walking uh working out in the sand is just much harder um it, it's like if you're doing lunges in the sand versus doing lunges um on flat ground or even grass it, it's just harder because the sand shifting all around you so there, there's an element of like i just you can get more out of the workout by putting yourself in an environment that lends it to just being more difficult to do the movements and stuff. Um, there is a, there's a beach around here. I mean, it's nothing like uh, muscle beach. I know where you work out in uh, Santa Monica or wherever, but um, they had like a line of pull-up bars and everything. Um, so it was very convenient to go there because there were different heights and stuff. Uh, and then just do that as, part of the workout and um it's kind of tailed off maybe last year and this year just because we've got busy doing other things but for a couple probably like three or four years in a row um a few years ago now i would meet with my friends regularly at the beach and we would do workouts maybe uh at least in the warm months we would go there um once or twice a week and uh just do different workouts i would bring um we would bring kettlebells sandbags uh um and stuff like that and then in the more recent years i just started filming myself doing those things so it was a continuation of something that i was already doing um but i i also um i I just made more of an intentional effort to to kind of take videos of myself doing it because I think it is, uh, I like sharing that stuff. You know, I, it is like you mentioned it, it, there's not a lot of people doing it. So people, if people don't see that, don't see options to try these other things, they're not going to try it themselves or they may try it themselves, but they may not even think to want to do things a different way. Like they think working out is just in a gym or they think working out is just running around your neighborhood or in a track or even, um, which is all great. I mean, I, I don't have anything against that, but uh, it's just I like other environments to work out in. Um, I like being in the sun or I like going hiking and being on the beach. I just like being out in the environment doing things. Um, and personally, I think it's uh, just a healthier relationship to have with working out is doing it in these natural environments as opposed to um in a in a uh, gym with whatever rubber mats and fluorescent lights and and that's it so um again if people like that i got nothing against it but it's just not my thing uh and you could get plenty strong you could get plenty in shape doing all that stuff but um i don't know i like my way better so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're on the same page same wa- same wavelength there and it, it's a little difficult to talk about because I don't, I hate when I, to find myself like shitting on going to the gym, right? Like if you go to the gym and you love it, that's awesome. I think in reality, something like only 25% of people have a gym membership and like most of those people don't even use it. So they're just paying the gym to like keep the lights on and, and they're thinking like, oh, you know, I'll go tomorrow, I'll go tomorrow, just like forever. And and we're just trying to say like, hey, there's this place that's free and it comes with all these other amazing benefits where, you know, you can also get really fit because you're if, highly, you know, fit individual, you're, you're out there um, exposing yourself to the ocean and, and you're strong, very capable and, and are able to do a lot more than just like 
bench press a lot of plates because it, it what you're doing trends. Oh, in fact, I can't bench press a lot of plates. <laughs> when was the last time you even like tried? Was it, is, do you ever like do that kind of stuff? Uh, for a little bit, like in college and a little bit after college, but I've never, like in college at the gym was part of the, like, you didn't have to pay for a gym membership or anything like that. It was just part of tuition. You could use the, the school gym. Um, but, uh, so I, I did a little bit of like weightlift, like very intro level, like not knowing what I'm doing type of weightlifting. And it was just, it was just not for me. The interesting thing I, I, in college I did, um, you remember P90X? Oh yeah. That like Tony Horton, like whatever, uh, which I, I thought it was, at the time, I thought it was a great, it probably still is a great program. I got in great shape doing that. I followed the whole 90 day program. Um, and that was, I think my junior year of college or something like that. And, uh, and that was, I did a little bit of that in the gym, but you could just do that at home and and stuff too. But, um, that kind of like, I kind of grew past that quickly into more, I don't know, not to say I grew past it, but I just like, I took a different direction. It took a different route after that, where I was just like, I like being outside more. I like doing hiking. I like climbing trees and, and that type of stuff. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, the last time I was actually lifting weights, I think was in college or shortly thereafter, like a buddy's garage or something, but, uh, I haven't done that in a long time. It's funny how different movement modalities will just sort of get popular and then fade away. Like I do remember P90X and it was pretty popular and now nobody talks about it. It's almost like the same thing with the diet Mm -hmm. realm where where, you know, some specific diet will pop up and then it'll get a lot of attention and then kind of fade away. It's sort of bizarre how, how these things go. Yeah. the So, I mean, a lot of that's just because of the marketing around it. It gets really good for a little bit and it resonates with people. And then like the, like there's still all like, so the, the actual like content of P90X was really good. You know, like they had plyometrics, they had, uh, th- there was a ton of body weight stuff that I've adapted into my own methods like into what i do so it's it's actually a good program it's just like the the marketing got stale and the same thing happens with diet stuff like i read um uh the first real big change to my diet happened um in probably around the same time when i was in like my junior or senior year of college i um my uncle recommended a uh, mark sisson's primal blueprint so I read that back then, and this is that was 2013, I think. Uh, 2013 was my senior year of college. So uh, I read it back then, and I decided to go paleo or primal, whatever it is, for um, for about two two years or so, like strict. Like I, I didn't do, I didn't cheat at all. I did it for two years straight, and then over time now, like I have bread and and stuff. I uh, so I'm a lot more uh, relaxed about those things like I still eat really good but um it's the same thing it's like the 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 core principles are still there and everything I do but the marketing has just faded away so I I still maybe incorporate in some fashion that what I ingrained in myself doing p90x uh over like a decade ago but uh or the way I eat I ate for a while doing um like the primal blueprint style diet but now it's just like a 
I took the good qualities of that. And that's the important part. It's not like the, the buildup, because like you said, those things fade away. I'm not saying that um, like the primal blueprint, like principles and all that haven't really faded away because they are based more so on these, uh, the values, but a lot of the marketing has changed around it. And I think, um, people get into a lot of more of the minutia of these things now because it's easy to, um, it's easy to have your, like, uh, your one key insight that you want to show everybody, you know, but it's like, everybody makes it out to be bigger than it is. And then eventually it just gets stale because it's like, what else you got beyond that? Because if you don't have uh, some bigger foundation of what you're doing, then um, it'll fade away over time. Yeah, it's so true. Each of these approaches has some, some truth in it, some value in it. Otherwise it wouldn't resonate at all. You know, it would just fall flat. Mm -hmm. But then the way that it's sort of presented, it, it, you know, captures some attention and then, and then gets stale. How, how old are you about? 31. 31. Okay. So we're, we're around the same, same age. Yeah. I, I, I remember that, that paleo primal movement. I got on to that around the same time and experienced some profound you know, health benefits. Did you experience anything, you know, life changing around the time that you, you went, went on to that? Um, life changing. I don't know about anything life changing. Um, I wasn't like, I did it out of curiosity. I didn't do any, I didn't do it to find some type of cure or anything like that. I know a lot of people will change their diet because they have some type of condition or, um, they weren't feeling good or, or they were overweight or, or something like that. But I didn't, I chose to explore those things because, um, I was just more curious about them and it made sense to me to follow a more whole foods diet. You know, it, it's just, um, like I got it, like, or that resonated with me. Whereas like other people, maybe that doesn't, um, I don't know, it doesn't, uh, appeal to them or they don't think that way or something, but like that was that's a that's a thing for me <laughs> i don't know how else to explain it like they, i was maybe wasn't the uh the audience in mind but um i'm who that this mentality is meant for so um i i adopted it pretty easy and uh i still i still stick with it but it wasn't because i was in search of any type of like drastic life change it was just like wow that that seems really cool I'm going to try it out. And it's not to mean that I wasn't serious about it either, because like, like I said, I stuck with it like strictly for two years. So I was very disciplined in, um, and eating that way. And I felt good. I continue to feel good. And, um, I don't know. I I've just kept on, I, I would say I, to this day, I still probably follow a paleo diet. Um, about 85% of the time. Um, I will have bread and uh, more like dairy and that type of stuff. Or uh, if I meet up with friends, and like yesterday I had pizza and wings. Um, so that wasn't paleo <laughs> at all, but I was just, I was with friends for an afternoon and uh, we were watching football and stuff. So that's, uh, that's what I had. So I don't eat healthy like every single day of my life now, but um Again, uh, there's a there's a concept that I heard a while back, 
and um, I think I wrote something about it at the time. But the the idea was pretty much to be direct. You're you're directionally healthy. Like it, the sum of your the sum of your actions leads you in the right direction. So it may be not every specific action may be added uh, adding up into that um, destination, but uh, overall, the the sum of all those parts are, are leading you to a more healthy life. And I think that, like for me, that's been um, it's been a more sustainable way about going after things because it's not like I don't get down on myself if I like uh, miss a workout or anything like that. It's um, uh, or if I try some other type of fitness modality because I'm always trying out new stuff. I, I just in the same way I tried out the prim- Primal Blueprint stuff and it stuck for me. I tried out uh, all these different types of exercise, MoveNet and all this stuff, and it just kind of like that's what I started to gravitate towards. But it, to back to that point about being like directionally healthy, like what I mean is you don't have to have um, like a strict adherence to X amount of grams of protein every meal for this. I mean, some people do and that works for them, but I don't think it's sustainable. Um, for me, I just like eat healthy food, move your body uh, and do that most of the time. And those are really simple things, but nobody seems to be able to handle the simple things because they they want to make it more complicated because they want to measure it or or all that um but uh i don't know i've been doing this stuff for like i said a a, a 10 years now or if not a little bit longer than that and uh at this point it seems just sustainable because my like i'm not i'm not having to make the decisions to make these uh, I'm not having to ma- make an active decision to be healthy anymore. It's just like my, that's the lifestyle I've developed over time naturally is, is what this feeds into. Um, and because of that, I, I think because it's something sustainable over time, like I can have a day where I have pizza and wings and, and that stuff. And I don't feel bad about it. One and two, it doesn't wreck me. So it, I just feel, um, uh, what's the word resilient to it, you know? So like one bad day is, is not a, not an issue. Not that it's bad. It's just like one day where it's not completely healthy food all the time. is not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just because it, it yeah, you're, you're touching on so many powerful concepts there. Just, you know, so many people have this like good, bad, black, white, you know, all or nothing approach to this kind of stuff where, it, it's really more of a spectrum and just because something is suboptimal doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And, and I'm sure you got value from that outside of, you know, the, the seed oils on the wings and, and, you know, whatever the pizza, like the seed oil thing gets me too. Like I get, like, I get it. I don't eat the seed oils. I, I stay away from them, but I don't, it's not my religion, you know? So like, and I know it, it kind of gets like people yuck it up because it's kind of like a cool thing. To, it's sort of like fun to, thing to play around with, with people online and stuff. But um, yeah, sorry, I, I interrupted you there. I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's all right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. And I think on one angle, it's something we are really trying to struggling to wrap our minds around collectively as a species, this understanding, especially our generation of, whoa, hold up, this industrial food system is 
causing some serious problems. <laughs> like things are not going so well. And, and a lot of it does seem to be rooted with what we were presented as, as food by, you know, our, our forefathers with, you know, as a part of this industrial revolution, just trying to make sure people aren't starving and, you know, a few guys trying to make a buck and it just compounded over time to where we've got this really cheap food stuff that does seem to be causing some problems. And, and a lot of us are just like, well, what do we do about this? A lot of problems. Yeah. 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 And I, so I, what I was thinking of while you were describing this way of thinking, because you are someone with an elite level of fitness, someone really, you know, if we look at the general population, you're, you're at a high percentage point, definitely in the top, comfortably in the top 5% of our population. And the way that you look at this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before you go on real quick, I like, there's something about that. Like to me, what I do is not elite at all, but it's just, um, I saw a tweet yesterday, the day before, and, uh, the person, I forgive me for not remembering who, who wrote it, but the person made a distinction between what's common and what's normal. Because what I do, I think is normal, but not common. And there's a, people tend to think what, what's common is normal, but it's really, uh, so what I do in that way, I also don't think what I do is elite in any way or like how I move or anything like that. I mean, there's people that are way better than me at X, Y, and Z skills and uh, they could run faster, jump higher. Like there's, <laughs> there's people that are really elite. So um, in that way, I think, I think I'm common. I'm sorry. I think I'm normal, but not necessarily common in today's society. It's just that the rest of society as a, uh, collective has fallen below what's normal. I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned know? that, put a point on that because I'm, I'm the exact same way, which is why I'm so enthused about being able to connect with you because we have a very similar approach where I'm not killing myself when I'm working out. I'm not exacting any sort of hyper discipline with, with my eating patterns. And yet people look to me and they, you know, they make comments about my physical appearance as if I am doing those things. And it's been, I've been trying to just present like, no, like this is exactly what you said there. This is normal. It's just not common. And, you know, I don't perceive myself at an elite level of fitness, but if we were to sort of zoom out at, at America as a whole, we, we sort of would be. And, and what we're doing is just also extremely accessible. Like we're not paying for gym membership. We're not using any sort of advanced technique or technology. No, most of the stuff I do is just my own body weight. And I think the same with you too. So yeah. uh, there's, this is the advanced technology <laughs> right here. Uh, <laughs> what I'm, what I am born with. So uh, that's what I use. Yeah. And now, so the, I guess to track back a little bit from the P90X to what you're doing now, did you learn from any other modalities to sort of, um, master this art that you're doing or is it mostly intrinsic is this something that is coming kind of from your own mind as you experiment no i i can't say that it's entirely my own um you know i i've had an interest in fitness and health for a long time so i've just have been open to the space for for a while you know so like uh the MoveNet stuff, which I actually, I work, um, I work for MoveNet now. And, but that didn't start that way. Like when I first saw like Erwan LaCour's, um, 
I'm sure I'm sure many people have seen it, but it's the the workout the world forgot or whatever, and it's just him like running around in different areas. It's just cool, and I was like, that's another one of those things when you see it, and like it struck me, I was like, oh, that's the type of fitness for me. That's what I want to do, and all that, and it all um, it kind of uh, so I just follow the things that I was curious in, um, and so like MoveNet is one methodology that I've been following for, I mean, I've only started working for them and it's, I only work for them part-time in their operations department right now, but, um, cause I have other things that I do as well, but, uh, that was just one of the methodologies that like resonated with me. And then like Ido Portal stuff resonated with me, or like I would listen to a Tim Ferriss podcast from like 2000 and 13 or 15 or whatever it is. And he would have somebody on there that resonated with me or rich roll, uh, was another, he's another podcaster that I used to listen to a good amount of stuff from and just over time. And I still do it too. Um, uh, I just pick up on different types of modalities that I see on like from movement culture, people and stuff on Instagram or YouTube, um, different, types of like gymnastics people, calisthenics people. Um, there's one, there's a couple of people recently that I've kind of been, have been drawing my curiosity. And um, one is like the people that do functional patterns. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but it's like uh, they deal a lot with like human biomechanics and stuff. And then another one is uh, an account called Flowbility, which is a, a it's this kind of similar stuff, but it's it's different types of uh, it's a lot of like isometric holds and breathing and stuff that that help correct your posture and strengthen like your inner uh, not so much your glamour muscles, but everything that's going to hold your body in the right um, orientation and stuff. So. Uh, just over time, I think I can't say that what I do now is wholly my own or even like the mace stuff. Like I saw somebody swinging that around on Instagram and I was like, man, that looks like fun. So I'm going to get one of those. And uh, that's why I did it. Like I didn't come up with these (laughs) ideas or anything, but I do um, part of just the way I am is, is to kind of explore all these different things. And I'll try it out. And if I like it, I'll continue on with it. If I don't, I'll gravitate away from it. But um, I'm always just exploring these different things. Even the, the breath holding is another thing, which that's another project that I, I help Erwan out with um, is breath hold work. Uh, I'm, I'm his a, assistant for that. And that was pretty much, I just saw him post it last year. Like last November, um, I signed up for the, the live breath hold uh, class that he held. And I, it really changed the way I thought about, um, it wasn't so much, I guess it's partially fitness, but it's also like, I, it brought me to a new understanding of the relationship between like your, your breathing mechanics and how your body works and all that. So, um, I just started to do that more because I thought it was great. And, um, I ended up uh, talking with him and and now I work with him or work for him, I should say. But, uh, it was all just kind of like, I just follow the the stuff that I'm curious about and that's where it takes me. But it's all these 
it's because I've been paying attention. I think that's a big thing that people should do is just pay attention to what interests them over time and try it out. Like there's no, um, there's no penalty for like trying to do something that you think is cool that you saw online or you read somewhere or something like that. And, uh, if you like it, keep going with it. But if you don't, you could also drop it and there's a million other things to try out too. But, uh, I think it's good just to go, you got to know what you're interested in and then try to find the things that keep, keep your interest. This, this is awesome to me because the way that you're approaching this is from an energetic standpoint, like you're following what looks fun, what looks joyful, what you're curious about. You're not looking at yourself in the mirror and thinking, dang, I need bigger biceps. So I'm going to go, you know, sit at a curl machine or you're not looking like, oh, my calves are small. No, if you want bigger biceps, I'm the wrong guy to ask, man. <laughs> They're not. Uh... But that, I think that's how most people look at it. They'll look at their body in the mirror and think, oh, I need to change this. I need to change that. So I need to do like X, Y, Z. Instead, you're thinking, well, you know, what am I curious about? What looks fun? What, you know, what's going to get me excited and, and ready to, you know, go do this in a joyous way with a smile on my face, not gritting my teeth. Like, oh, I got to, you know, sit on this hamstring machine and like curl an extra 10 pounds. It, it's such a different approach to it. I, one of my friends calls the, uh, or the fitness industrial complex. So I guess that's probably a, a term that's out there, but it, it's, and again, I, I don't want to shit on any like sort of gym goers or, you know, fitness practitioners, if you're doing it, one of my favorite quotes from Erwan Lacord goes something like, you know, if, if you're someone who practices fitness in this modern day and age, like you're a hero in, in a lot of ways. And that wasn't the quote at all, but that concept, the core concept of that is really powerful and, and important because it's true. Most people aren't doing anything for their bodies aside from sitting. And we, we know that's probably the worst thing that you could do with your body is like sitting is pretty terrible. So I, I guess from at a deeper level, when, when you realized like, oh, I'm, I'm inhabiting the, this human body, or I guess maybe you didn't realize that consciously, but you are, you know, a human in, in this human body. And, and we're looking around at, at all these people who aren't really using their bodies at all. Yet we have these options, you know, this bizarre sort of option where it's like, it's fitness time. And you've got like this whole range of things that we can do to kind of like floor our bodies when evolutionarily, if we look back, same thing with like a paleo diet. The, that's just the way we ate. That's the foods that were out there. And, and fitness was just something that happened. And that's, I look at MoveNet as sort of like the pre, the, the, the paleo diet of, of the movement space in a lot of ways, because it was just like, well, this is, really yeah, yeah. This is just the movement that was out there. And yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with this rant or ramble, but it's, 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 it's just wild kind of being in this modern you know, you know, place where we've got all these issues with misalignment. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're, your mind is smart, but your body isn't dumb. So it, do, it doesn't think with words like it doesn't have rationales and reasons the same way like you could come up with in your mind. Your body will just take whatever stimulus it can get. So if you're not giving it any stimulus, it's not going to adapt to it um, or it will adapt. It, I shouldn't say that because it will adapt to it, but it'll just continue to adapt to no sim stimulus, um, which is why like one hour in the gym lifting weights is not necessarily like, um, like it'll get you the, your body will adapt to what that gives you. You know, it's not, there's not like a conversation or a negotiation that like you have, um, just working out one type of way is going to, um, be better or something like, like you, your body doesn't know that you're lifting weights or lifting your body or lift it. Like your muscles are just reacting. They're not smart, you know? 
uh, well, I guess like they're not, they may be intelligent, but they're not smart. If that makes any sense. Like, I, I feel like the, the systems of the body are probably too complex as a whole to, for, um, like the human mind, like the human mind has a hard time understanding everything that's going on in itself. So, um, in that way, it's like the body's very intelligent, but like, it's also, it doesn't use the same, um, language that the mind uses. That's something I learned, uh, from the breath, breath hold work, um, practice is that, uh, there's a lot of sensations and everything going on in your body that your mind, like it, your, your central nervous system uses a language to communicate with yourself that is not thinking in words at all. It's much more, it's more about, uh, sensations or states that you can be in that are not, um, they're not rational. They're not necessarily logical. Um, but they are communicating something to you, but you can't, you can't use words necessarily to communicate back to it. That's, uh, I may be having a trouble explaining this coherently, but, um, my main point was that your, your body's just reacting to, to the stimulus that you present to it. It's not necessarily, um, it doesn't know if you're running. Well, actually, uh, maybe I'm eating my own words now because I think there is something to like running from a threat or running to a threat that the, the different mental mentality, uh, there. I've just confused myself now, Case. I've, I've backed myself into a corner. So uh, maybe you could help me get out of it. <laughs> sure, all good. I'm definitely curious to pull on the thread of the, the breath hold work practice because I, I signed up for the course um, this December course. Um, and I've cool. seen you shared a lot about it. And Erwan Brooke is like the world record holder of, of breath holding. And it's been fascinating to me because this is sort of a forgotten area of, of fitness. I think we can call it that. Um, the lungs are definitely, you know, the diaphragm is a muscle and the lungs are a big part of our body. That's sort of the root of everything. So what, how would you sort of summarize that, that practice and what has your experience been, been like with it? So I'll start out with the results I got when I first did the four week program. And at the beginning of the program, I went from 14 breaths per minute, uh, to down to six by the end of the four weeks. So that, that's a pretty significant drop in like my breathing rate, uh, breath rate. And my breath hold in the, at the start was 156. That was the most, like, I felt that I would, like I was going to die after one minute, 56 seconds. By the end of that, I was at six minutes and eight seconds by the end of four weeks, um, which was a pretty, to me, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll get up to three minutes or something like that which still is really, it's, it's a, that's a long time to hold your breath for someone that doesn't practice these things. But, um, to go for over six minutes was like, it was shocking to me in a way that I, I would never think that I would have that ability to do it. Um, so those were just my initial results, but the, the methodology that Arwan's developed is, um, it's pretty comprehensive in that he gives you exercises to do like physical exercises to do. He's teaching you meditation techniques. He's teaching you actually what scientifically is going on in your body during these holds and, and everything. Um, so he walks you through all these different facets of not just breath holding, but breath work itself, what the 
air does in your system. Um, so it, it's pretty comprehensive. Uh, there's a lot of information to it. But at, at the end of the day, what the method he teaches is a uh, meditation method that will help you um, overcome a lot of the uh, reactions to stress that your body has during a breath hold. And it's there's, people have had really significant results, not just holding their breath a long time, but training themselves to be more resilient towards stress, uh, less emotionally reactive in situations, um, like a better uh, composure over themselves. If you do, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's, it's not similar in the activity, but it's similar in maybe some of the uh, mentality that people have to go through when they go into a cold ice bath. You know, that's a stress the same way as breath holding is a stress. It's a different type of stress, but that also teaches resilience. Like you have to go and sit in the ice bath and like you want to get out and freak out, you know, like you want to avoid that. But um, the same way when you're holding your breath for a long time, it's not necessarily pleasant, but you can overcome that by using um, certain meditation techniques and, and all these things. So, um, and over time, your, your body physiologically adapts to be more efficient with the oxygen that it takes in. So like a three minute breath hold for me now is no problem. My max is 623. Um, but most of my practice is in the, uh, is not pushing myself. It's more so about the meditative part of it because it helps, um, well, it, it's just, uh, it's more useful to me, the meditative part of it. Um, but that's also not to say like over the past year, my cardio, um, cardio respiratory fitness has gotten so much better and it's, I do run, but it's not like I'm running a, a ton every day to, to make that happen. It's because I've, uh, practiced these skills that have made my body more efficient with, um, oxygen and more resilient against CO2. So, um, I can go, I mean, like I, I did, uh, anybody can try this and, and, uh, Erwan has posted stuff about this and I did a post about it too, but to hold your breath and try to do just body weight squats as long as you can. Most people can get to 20, maybe, uh, if you're really good, maybe 30, 35, but um, I think Erwan can do like 75 without breathing because you're, you're burning oxygen the whole time. Your CO2 is rising and all that. I've gotten to 50. Um, and it's just about your one holding up against that stress when you're bo like teaching, like having your body adapt to that stress. Two uh, is your body becomes more efficient with oxygen as well. So, uh, you could just, your, my endurance has gotten better because I learned how to hold my breath. And, um, and the, the, the other part of it for me too, is, uh, like the flexibility of my rib cage and everything. And just this, the strength of my diaphragm. So as I'm like, I could feel, I could take a much fuller breath today, a year. I mean, I did that the initial course a year ago, a little over a year ago now. But um, 
I just have been practicing it over the past year and just the, the strength of my diaphragm to be able to take a full breath, to fill my lungs in like, not just uh, the upper part of my chest, but breathe down into the back and, and all that. And um, you don't realize how much of your um, maybe capability, like in doing certain physical things depends on like the flex flexibility of your rib cage, your ability to take deep breaths, uh, slow breaths through your nose. Um, I, I can exclusively, aside from doing like multiple sprints in a row, uh, I'm exclusively breathing through my nose during exercise, um, which is, I don't, I don't mean to seem like I'm rambling or trying to just promote this out of like, <laughs> I, I do work for Erwan and breath hold work now, but it, I'm not just trying to say this, uh, in, in like a marketing way, but it's, it's because like I, I've joined these things because they've had profound effects on how I am able to uh, like my own physical performance, you know, and like in those, for those reasons, um, they've just been incredible. And, uh, and I think it's like the breath holding, well, a lot of people do breath work. Uh, some people do breath holding, but this specific methodology has just done a, done a lot for me. So it's not to say that there aren't other breath work methodologies that might help people and all that, but I know for myself and a lot of the um, testimonials that Erwan's got from the course that it's just transformed um, a lot of the way people are able to do these things. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for you for you to try it. If you got the course, um, it reach out to me. Any if you've ever had questions about it as you're going through it, because it's easy. Like the live program is is pretty good because. Um, like if you have a question as you're practicing, you're going to be live on camera like we are right now. And you could ask that question um, during the, the live program. But uh, obviously the e-course is a little bit different because it's just a one way interaction. So as you do it, Case, like if you have any questions, uh, I mean, I'm not expert like Erwan is, but <laughs> I can maybe help uh, guide you certain ways or answer certain questions because I have been doing it for some time. I have seen, uh, I've done all the practices that he goes through and, um, uh, it's just a really, uh, if you get stuck on anything or like I said, have questions, I'd, I'd be happy to help out if I can. Cool. Thanks. And it is profound. The amount of change that happened in a relatively short amount of time, like you're talking about, you know, 50% decrease in the amount of breaths you're taking per minute. And then like a 5X, you know, 4X increase in, in your breath hold time in that same you know, four week period is is pretty wild from a, you know, adaptation standpoint, mostly what we're used to in, in the fitness realm is like, well, this is going to take like eight weeks for you to really kind of notice, you know, a big change, but that's, that's a big change and, and profound downstream consequences as well you know, with your entire physiological system and, and experience with being human in, in the world. And that breathwork is definitely, you know, up and coming um, sort of in the realm of like meditation and, and fasting where we're sort of tapping into these ancient tools to sort of bring a, a new level of resiliency, like you said, within this, this modern era. They're so like useful and needed and free, you know, for the most part. Some of them even, you know, give you money, I'd, I'd say, you know, <laughs> being able to learn to, 
meditate and fast and and breath and and, and breathe is going to give you a pretty big leg up on on the rest of the people who aren't aren't doing those things. So it's it's crazy to think about that we have these almost inner capabilities, those like inner superpowers. How how do you perceive like this is unlocking maybe a, a little bit of a, a bigger question and a pivot away from what we've been discussing, but how how do you perceive like being being human? It, just thinking about all these different ways that we can navigate reality. Do you, do you think there's some like purpose to all this or, or is it just sort of like kind of these random, random, you know, aspects of, of the world that we can kind of tap into? Like what, is there any kind of a meaning behind a lot of this to you? That's a big question. Um, it's difficult to answer because you, uh, I mean, so here's what I believe we're, we are, we're just human at the end of the day. So like part of that is just being an animal almost, right? So you're just here existing on the planet, but you have this really smart brain. Where does that come from? Uh, I don't know necessarily. Um, I do know that we're pretty much the most complex thing that we know of. So that, that's pretty, that's pretty fascinating thing right there. Um, and I have read, uh, I've read a bit of what Carl Jung has said specifically in the red book about where the human psyche reside or like the, the nature of the human psyche right now. One of those, one of the things that he said is that uh, so you've heard the the quote um, from Nietzsche, like uh, God is dead and we have killed him. Yes. So that that's a pretty profound thing to say. Like if that that's not something that people would just claim uh, nonchalantly, I guess maybe they do now on the internet, but I don't think that's something that Nietzsche would would have said nonchalantly. So if I'm going to take for a second uh, or just accept that and that be the case, God is dead and we have killed him. I've I struggled with that for a while. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And then I read the Red Book by Carl Jung, and I, I started to piece something together because Carl Jung makes a point in the Red Book in that um, God, what I was able to string together is that if God is not something external anymore, I don't think that he is. Um, so I'm, I'm also, to preface this, I'm also using God as this like, uh, I don't know if I have the same definition, but it, it's definitely to your point of like, where is the significance of humanity? And God, if if we just take that as a stand-in right now, as if God was the significance of humanity, and you could define it out however way you want, but that's the way I'm going to use it for this argument. So you have, um, I think what, what Nietzsche meant in that, and this is just my own interpretation, is that God is dead, but it's the external God in that it's the collective thing that everybody believes in. Um, which is, I could see the case for that being true, because I don't think people all believe in the same thing collectively, like, or at least people don't act. Uh, that's maybe like a uh, my... Um, reading of Jordan Peterson or whatever, people don't act as if they all believe in the same God anymore. They worship different things. Um, so if 
if God is the external God is dead, I don't think that that's the end of the, I don't think that he followed that through to what it means. And what I think it means is that maybe the external collective God is dead, but he's re-inhabited inside each person on an individual level. So it's, it's a tough thing to say. So I mentioned before that man is, is an animal in some respect, but he's also God. So that's a weird thing. And, and that's, that's one of the things I'm not a very religious person, but I, I do enjoy interpreting religious things. And, um, Jesus himself was God and man. And if the doctrine of Christianity is to be believed, uh, then Jesus is, is the example that you should follow. So maybe you should also be God and man. And it's not necessarily like you are the external God inhabited inside you, but I think there is a divine spark inside people that is the individual manifestation of God in your own way. So like I, it wouldn't be the same for me as it is for you, as it is for anybody else, but there is something higher in each person that you would strive to achieve. Um, and I think you can call that God or have that be God within you. So in that way, take, take God out of that whole thing and, and just plug in, um, a higher meaning or something of humanity. And I don't think it's necessarily a higher collective meaning of humanity, or maybe it is. And I, I just don't know enough, but in my interpretation, it's that like you have some type of, every individual has some type of higher meaning within themselves to, um, to strive towards. So, and, and that's, that's part of like, you don't have to do that is the other thing. Like, like you're not necessarily compelled to do that, but if you do do that, you open up a lot of more uh, opportunities and doors for yourself. So you can you could also not have that higher meaning or God, whatever you want to call that, present in your life. But if you do accept that and take responsibility that I have to live at least some part of my life with that in mind, then um, I, I think that's where people get meaning from, or where what the collective uh, it's something that people can actually use to, to navigate their life by. Really well said. I don't know. So hopefully some of that made sense case. Yeah. Uh, it, I tried to cover a lot of ground and I've thought about this stuff a lot, but I can't always articulate it as well as I'd like to. It's tremendously difficult to, to articulate this kind of stuff. I think you did an excellent sort of dissertation monologue on that excellent articulation, at least, at least to me that landed really well. And I, like you, I, I, you know, I'm not someone who practices a, a distinct religion. So I always love thinking about this kind of stuff. And, and what came to mind as you were describing this great take on a very deep question was the way you described earlier as, as sort of pointing in the direction of health, that as long as the totality of your life is is sort of overall pointing in the direction of health, you're going to be good from that angle. I'm, I'm curious if you look at this through the question that I asked and, and the way that you answered it, if, if, if the totality of, of your life is pointed in the direction of God, pointed in the direction of, of higher meaning and, and, and self-actualization, is that something that you bring to the table each day? And if so, what does that sort of look like for you? What, what is there something that you're pointing to and, and what are you kind of doing to, to, 
to get there? What what does like a higher version of, of you look like, do you think, um, that, that you're kind of striving towards each day? Oh man. Well, like the short answer is no. Like do 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 I point towards something like that each and every day in a conscious way? No. I don't think anybody does. Like everybody has bad days where they just like they were I don't know if they felt shitty or they like acted shitty or something like that. So no, I'm no different in that regard that like, um, I miss the mark <laughs> a lot of the times. Um, uh, but overall, I, I think it's just how you conduct yourself is like what you ask of yourself. Do you say, do you live up to the things that you ask of yourself? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Uh, do you follow through on things? Do people find you trustworthy? It's just like, it's having those qualities. I don't think it has to be too profound. It's just like, and everybody knows these things. So this is the same, the same, uh, similar point to like what I was getting at earlier is like people know the right, like how to be healthy. Like you move your body, you eat real food. Um, and that's like 80% of it. Like you could get into all these different things about it, but that's really the, the basis of it. And it's the same thing with, um, this type of mentality. I don't think like, I think there's, I don't think that we should fall into the trap of having as big of an ego to say, like, I have to live up to this huge thing. Like, I think it's it's just the basic things that you have to get right. You want to be trustworthy. You want to, uh, like I said, live up to um, the expect- expectations that you set for yourself and and um, be truthful in like what you say you're going to do, you're going to do and follow through on. So I think it's in those those basic tenets of just like, I don't know what, what are those like social tenets of Western civilization that that's like what you want to work towards. I don't know. Uh, I'm not smart enough to know anything beyond that. If, if, if going anything beyond that will work in any type of fruitful way, like you have, um, you could try to be real profound in, in what you do, but t- does that necessarily get you to a better spot than if you just um, follow the simple stuff? I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't been around that long to know for sure. So <laughs> that's a great answer. I love that. And your philosophy overall, I've really enjoyed hearing more about it and following you online for everything that you share along the way has been great. For, for me as, as someone who's interested in all these things. So I encourage anyone listening to, to follow you as well. I'll link everything down below and including, um, yeah, ev- everything that we talked about will be, will be linked down there. And, um, did you have any, got any last thoughts that you want to share or any, uh, parting words of wisdom for anybody listening? Oh man. Um, I don't think I'm anyone to, to put out parting words of wisdom, but, uh, I don't know. If there's any, obviously, if anybody, uh, if you have any questions or anybody has any questions, I'm always open to to talk with anybody. Unless you're weirdo, then don't talk to me. But um, nah, I like the weirdos too. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Yeah, nothing comes to mind. Um, I do appreciate you having me on this. This has been fun. I feel like I always like uh, I start out these things and I feel like I'm fumbling and then all of a sudden you ask a question and my mind just keeps drifting and I start rambling and hopefully good things come out of it. But, uh, I appreciate you giving me the space to kind of let my mind wander a bit. 
Absolutely. I enjoyed wandering, wandering minds with you. I know I'm uh, a lot of the same way. So um, thanks again for, for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you, Case. Ha 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 ha!